So I just felt as the week was going on, I just felt more and more arrested and things began to shift. And I thought, do you know what? It came to Friday morning, I thought, I just need to get before the Lord and do something different. I think we need to do something different. So one of the things I'm going to do, I just want to speak some truth to us, some Bible truth. I think it's important that we hear truth. And then I want to lead us in prayer. Is that okay? There's a number of things to pray for, people to pray for. I want us to pray for Uman and Margarita and Tina, very much on the front line, but there's others also. Uh, there's many people to pray for. <clears throat> so uh, I came across some things earlier in the week that really just began to shape my thinking um, about where are we at when we think about what's happening all over the world. Literally, this is unprecedented. As my neighbour said to me yesterday, he said, you know, when you think of the mad cow disease or you think of uh, any of the other ones that we can name, we might have known about it, we might have known someone who was involved in it, but it was just there and we were over here, as it were. But this is now something that is touching everyone all over the world. How do we reflect on life? How do we... What are the questions that come to us as we think about our own fragility? Somebody said, I heard somebody say this week, actually this is a real flattener. Suddenly everybody is in the same plane as it were. And now you can argue about that, but actually it does. It brings things right down to the fundamentals of life. How do we respond to that when we're faced with that, even to ask the question, where is God? Where is God in these things? The thing is, it's so easy in moments like this, and you will know this and you will have faced it even the last few days, I'm sure. It's so easy to focus on the issue that is very much being thrust in front of us but and to forget, if we're not careful, and this is, you remember we've been talking about the forgotten arts. It's easy to forget who our God is and to forget who we are in God. And I believe these are days that are vital to remind ourselves. See, for us as Christians, these are the moments to remind ourselves again of the truth. I know truth is a very big subjective subject for many people, but we believe in the truth, don't we? We believe that the Bible is God's truth. So we need to remind ourselves, but also it's an opportunity for us to be a blessing to others. As we get hold of the truth, as we're reminded of the truth, we are then able to be a blessing to others. And I want to say this, the greatest encouragement that we can have is to be found in the Bible. It's in the Bible. So if you are self-isolating over these next weeks uh, for whatever reason you find yourself, I want to encourage you, one of the things to do is to spend some time with the Bible. I'll just say that to you now. Uh, You're here this week. God willing, you'll be here next week. But there are moments we're going to get given opportunities over these next weeks to do things that we wouldn't normally do. That book that you always wanted to read, now's the time to read it. That neighbour, that family member you've been meaning to ring up for weeks, now's the time to do it. There are moments. But I want to say at the very heart, there is huge truth and encouragement to be found in the Bible. See, when circumstances cause us to be concerned or afraid, I believe the only sure way we can 
avoid being overwhelmed by fear is to genuinely, wholeheartedly put our trust in God. And we do that by believing, declaring and experiencing who he says he is in his word, the Bible. You see, it's in the Bible there that we discover him. It's there that we come to know more and more of him. God speaks through his words. I mean, that's those verses that Mike was reading to, to us just now, weren't they wonderful? You could feel yourself. You go, oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's who God is. That's who he says we are. And it's his words and the presence of the Holy Spirit that will bring us calm. It will bring us rest. It will bring us stillness right into the, the middle of our very being. So this is a psalm, Psalm 46, that has been quoted a lot across the Christian social media this week. Um, look, these are hopefully God willing. Thank you to Malcolm who's been helping me to put these up. Let's just hear this. Just let it soak in. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now there's some strange pictures there. The the city of God is the the people of God. But there is a river. It's talking about the presence of God with his people. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. (laughs) How more relevant is that than today? Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. Businesses may fail. Probably will. He lifts his voice. The earth mounts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, another unusual picture. What does that mean? It's the God, the historical God. The God who from the beginning has been with us and will be with us. The God of the big story. The psalmist is saying, come on, people, come on, remind yourself, remind ourselves, let's declare these things, let's take a psalm like this and speak it out, day after day, hour by hour, if you want to. We have an ever-present point of refuge and strength. Everything else may shift, things may shift, things may look very different, very, very different, but there is a point, there's a refuge point. There is a strength point. We trust in God, he says. The psalmist says, remember who you are. You're the people of God. Your trust is in God. So why should we be afraid? As children of God, we continue to live by his amazing, precious, powerful words so that we can walk, not in fear, but in the light, because he is in the light. I was interesting, some of the songs we were singing today was talking about the, the sense of darkness. And I know for many there is this sense of, this feels dark, it feels challenging, but he is the light of the world. He is in the light. We walk with our eyes fixed on him. We can trust him, we will not give way to fear. Amen? 
One of the great truths of the Christian message <clears throat> is the message of hope. I've shared this story before. I mention it again. I remember <clears throat> very clearly my mum died very suddenly right in the midst of life. She was 45. When I was 23, I thought she'd had a good life and was, you know, getting on a bit. As I got to 45, I didn't realise how young she was. Um, but I remember my dad, she was a, someone who loved God and was a follower of Jesus. And uh, I was at Bible college and was just finishing Bible college. My dad came to me and he said, what should we say at the graveside as we were burying her? What should we say? 23-year-old with a little baby. I had no, no idea really. Um, but I remember saying to my dad, I said, I don't think it matters too much what we say, except let's make sure that <clears throat> whoever says what they say ensure and certain hope. <clears throat> I remember it. <clears throat> Sorry, this is not the virus. This is just me, all right? It's just me. Ensure <laughs> um, and certain hope. Christians have a hope as believers in Jesus, as those who are trusting the words of the Bible. We have a sure and certain hope. We have this point of refuge. We trust in God. See, it's, it's not a fingers crossed, touch wood. I saw someone the, the other day, so all oh, touch wood. Bright, intelligent person, but they're putting their, their trust in a piece of wood or maybe they throw something over their shoulder or whatever it might be. Now, I don't want to belittle because people are saying, I need something to trust in. I need, you see, what the Christian hope is not a fingers crossed. Perhaps, maybe, I hope it all works out in the end. I hope it misses me or passes me. It's a hope that is based on what God has said and what Jesus has done when he died on the cross and when he rose again from the grave. I don't know what our Easter services will look like, what shape they will take this year. Um, that's still a couple of weeks ago and things change every day, don't they? But one of the things I want you to remember as we walk, let's keep walking in that Easter message over these days. The tomb is empty. It is empty. Let's remind ourselves, the tomb is empty. Jesus is seated on the throne. He's alive. And we are in him. One of the things, I mean, I'm going to be all over, I can feel it already, I'm going to be all over the shop with my notes. <laughs> That's okay. But one of the things that we need to keep remembering, because, you see, if this hope is in us, we can be a blessing to others. That's what I'm trying to say. As we get a hold of the hope, we will also be a blessing to others because there are others that are going to be saying, I don't know what's going on, I'm very frightened, why have you got peace? Well, I am worried, I am concerned. My dad has ten stents. Ten stents. He has heart disease. If he makes it through... Whoa, there it goes. <laughs> if he makes it through the next couple of months, it will be a miracle. But he's got a hope. He brought me up in a hope. What we have now is not all that there is. That's what's so important for us. What we have now. It's something that goes on into eternity. I utterly believe it. I've given my life to it. My dad gave his life to it. We need to get hold of this truth, brothers and sisters. Those of you who will listen to this, online <clears throat> this week as you, as you download, as you listen. We need to hear this. 
We need to hear it. Let it get into our spirits. It's not fingers crossed. It's not touch wood. Maybe, possibly. No, there's an assurance given to us by God. And yes, I did just lick my finger to turn the page. A lot of this is summed up in something I was looking at this week. There's some great sentences, statements that are written out in something called the, um, the Heidelberg uh, Catechism. Some of you may have come across this before. Basically, it's a series of questions and then answers based on our Christian faith. I want to read this one to you, and maybe for some of you, you might like in a minute to say it with me. You don't have to. You can think about the words. Here's the question. What is your only hope in life and death? What is your only hope in life and death? Here's the answer. <clears throat> that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, has set me free from all the power of the devil. He preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Isn't that wonderful? Would you like to say it? Let's say it together. If you'd like to, don't feel a pressure, but if you'd like to say these things, let's make it a declaration. Maybe you're making it for the first time. You've never said something like this out loud. Let's say it to... I'm going to ask the question and then let's repeat the answer together. What is your only hope in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. So I believe in a God who is in control. I trust that my life, both now and in the future, is in his hands. That's called assurance. Great old hymn, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. An heir of salvation. This, 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 this promise, it gives me an assurance, but that assurance also frees me to live for him and for others. Because I have that assurance, I can live for him and for others. I can come to God and I can ask him for mercy. I can ask him for protection and for peace. I want to come to others in just a moment. just want to 
invite you to hear the truth. We've got such clear examples of this in the Bible. So these are great things we can be praying at the moment. These are great things we can send by email or text or WhatsApp or any other thing that you want. Take these scriptures, send them to one another, speak them out loud. Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide, literally, I will take refuge beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Psalm 79, verses 8 to 9. May your mercy come quickly to meet us, for we are in desperate need. Help us, God our Saviour, for the glory of your name. What a great prayer to be praying. We're going to pray in a minute for the government. We're going to pray for the medical services. Of course we're going to pray for them. But ultimately we're coming and saying, Lord, it's in you that we trust. And we cry to you for your strength. Then of course there is Psalm 91, verses 3 to 7. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and your protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Great, great scriptures. Now, you might rightly say, but Mark, how does that fit with those who have already died or may die? Even closer to home, we have a government prime minister who's clearly saying we need to prepare for very challenging times ahead, who soberly is having to warn us that many families need to prepare themselves for the fact that they may well lose loved ones before their time. How does that fit with what you've just read? Firstly, I want to say that it's a declaration of truth. It's a declaration of the nature and heart of God. God is towards his creation. I want to give an answer in a moment as to to why we have, therefore, what we have going on. But it's a prayer of blessing. It's reminding ourselves that God is for us, that he does want to bless us. It's a call not to be afraid, again. But also there is a reality, which is the effect of sin. What is sin? It is rebellion against God. God, our creator, our maker. God who made us, formed us. But his people have rebelled against him. They've turned away from him and gone their own way. The Bible calls that sin. And there is a reality that has affected the whole of creation because of that rebellion. The truth of God is still true. The goodness of God is still good. But sin has entered the world. And it's impacting the whole of creation. And this is... Uh, currently one of the signs of that. Creation is groaning. People are groaning because they 
have rebelled against God. The reality is, of course, people die all the time. The thing is, it's just right now that we are having our attention drawn to it in a way that we don't normally have. We're having the the fragility of life, as I said earlier, actually brought right up close and personal. For many of us, in a Western context, as we're healthy and well and financially uh, quite well off, compared, you might not think you are, but you are compared to most of the many parts of the world. And yet, suddenly, that's stripped away. Suddenly, I'm faced with the reality of life and death and the, and the fundamental issues. We're not normally have these things thrust in front of us. In fact, we spend most of our time uh, trying to do things that cause us not to think about those realities. That's why we go to the things that we do and spend the money on the things that we do in order that we don't have to think about that reality. And yet, what happens now is that reality is in front of us, right in front of us in different ways. What do we do about that? Interesting, I think that this virus actually gives us a bit of an illustration. I picked this up from something. There's lots of good things that people are writing out there. There's also a lot of rubbish out there. Please be very careful what you read and what you give yourself to because there's all sorts of stuff. But this is a Christian leader who I know personally and very well. And he said, it's interesting, this virus gives us a little bit of an illustration. You see, we've been told many times that you can have the virus without realising that you've got it. It's one of the reasons we're regularly washing our hands, even if we feel fine. You can be free of the virus, but still be impacted by the implications of it. And of course, we are already even in this room, whether that be travel restrictions or economic impact or the shortage of toilet paper or any other thing. So in that sense, everyone has the virus. The implications of it are impacting everyone. It has a, it's spread to us all, even if we do the things that we're being asked to do. And that is the same with sin. Now, this is only an illustration, so please don't get too heavily theological with me afterwards and beat me up, will you? It's an illustration, but it's an impact on everyone. And that's the reality with sin. It's impacted everyone. Everyone. All have sinned, the Bible says. Now, as challenging as this is, this outbreak reminds us of the reality of death. See, the judgment of sin is death. Even with our technology, everything that we're throwing at it, we, can't, we can only control it at a level. We can't actually overcome it. But I don't want to push the illustration much further. But it's easy for us, you see, to live as though death is something that happens to other people. Or even, for some people, it doesn't really happen somehow. I'm going to, when I get near there, medicine would have moved on and I won't actually even die. That's what some people think. It only happens to other people, but the reality is death does happen to us all. But as Christians, as I've been saying, we live with this amazing truth, this great truth and, and, it, and I want to say, these are the days when we need to be sharing it with as many people as possible, is that we can have a living relationship with Jesus Christ that saves us from our sin, saves us from, from death. He comes to save us. 
Jesus comes, if I can push the illustration a bit, he comes not just to wipe the surface clean, all right? not just to tinker with the external, but he comes to do a deep clean into the very depths of our very soul. We are born again. It's not just a wiping of the surface. It's a renewal, a restoration internally from our very spirits and souls. A restored relationship with our creator God. And the thing about that salvation is it's not just for this life, it is for eternity. We talk about a duty of care a lot at the moment, don't we? I want to suggest that one of our duties of care is to spread this message. Not the virus, but this message. And see people saved from an eternal death by stepping into eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. This hope, this truth that we have, is not just words. It has meaning. It will impact our thinking and our actions. As I've said in a moment, I want to lead us in some prayers Before I do that, I just want to take five minutes to think about some practical implications of this truth. Practical ways. You will know some of these things already. You've been hearing them uh, nationally, but I just feel practically I've got some points here. Firstly, each one of us can think about how we can protect and support our neighbour. So much of what is being said on the news at the moment, and it needs to be said, we need to hear, but what it tends to do is it sows our fear about the danger of other people. That's what it does. It, it causes us to divide and separate. I know we were having a joke just now about you sitting on different sides. But what it does is it, it builds a fear towards others. I want to su- suggest to you that because of the love and the mercy that has been shown to us in Christ, our motivation is to be one that shows love and mercy and compassion to others. Amen? I'm not saying be dismissive of what the government is telling us. I'm not saying that at all. But there's an attitude of heart. that, As I know the truth, and the truth sets me free, it sets me free not to consider myself first, but to consider others first. There's a shift in how I am. Being told that even right now, Aldi is being stripped of its shelves of food. I'll come to that in just a moment. But there is this self-preservation thing that kicks in. Understand it. I'm not trying to be critical of anyone here who's gone and bought an extra bag of pasta or whatever. What I'm trying to say is that there's a shift in our hearts. As we have an understanding that this is not all that there is, that we have a hope that is kept for us in heaven, that we have an assurance, it causes us to turn and look out from ourselves to others. Amen? I can't decide if you're thinking very deeply about this or... It's challenging, isn't it? Part of the way that we display that love is that we're not dismissive of what we're being told. In fact, I believe that one of the reasons we wash our hands lots and we think about others lots and we isolate if we need to is because we're displaying love. We're not being arrogant. We're not being ignorant. We're not saying, oh, I'm fit and fine, so it doesn't matter. I'll just carry on as normal. No, we don't carry on as normal. 
We're thinking about those who are much more poorly than us or not as fit as us or don't have the things that we have. So at the same time, we also want to offer help and reassurance to others. So we'll go out of our way not to demonise people, not to push them away, but to go towards them with wisdom as, as we possibly can. So we, secondly, we're thinking about those who may be suffering more than me. This is practical application of the truth that we've just heard. For those who are healthy, we may not feel we have much to worry about, but our doctors are telling us, and chatting to Umin even this week, many of the elderly, the housebound, those with chronic health conditions are starting to become very anxious. Very anxious. We need to be mindful of them. We need to show extraordinary care and compassion. One idea I want to suggest to you, there's lots of ideas already being batted around. I saw one on the BBC this morning. But one idea I want to suggest to you is just when you get home this afternoon, make a little list, maybe on a piece of paper, of the vulnerable people that you know. Now some of us may only have one or two people that we know. Some of us will have a whole list. So maybe you might need to share that with others. But I want to encourage you, make a commitment to phone them up, to be in touch, to find out how they're doing. Now, they may be giving, be, being given lots of help, and that's fine, but think about who you know. Think about who you can be in touch with. Talk to Mike and Jill about those who are in drop-in. They will be thinking very carefully about that. Maybe talk to Zoe. I don't know if there's one or two single mums and others Talk to those that you know. If you think, well, I don't know many people, talk to those who do, because there's plenty here who do. Okay? Is there someone who would just value uh, a phone call? And so on. Do think very carefully before you visit. Think about the implications. You know all of that. All right? Is that helpful? There are other ways that we may well be able to help, and we'll see those rolled out, and we'll communicate to each other as we go along. But I just want to say, think about who you know, and make a list, and, and maybe start to be in touch with them. Thirdly, you've heard this lots, but I think as Christians, this is a way that we can model something. Don't panic and don't start hoarding. Now, I think we are going to feel the pressure of that because everybody else is, why shouldn't I? We live in a very, very rich nation. There is plenty to go around. I actually think it's a great opportunity Uh, to practice the Christian discipline of sharing. We need to think about how we can share. I heard a wonderful little, great little story on County Press this week about an elderly lady with a lung condition. She's really actively trying to get some hand hand gel uh, to have. Um, And she'd been to her third pharmacy this week and was told she had to be there at 8 o'clock in queue. She was going to get anything and she was quite upset. And the lady tapped her on the shoulder and said, are you looking for some... Uh, hand sanitizer, and she said, yes. She said, and the lady got out of bag, she said, here, have mine. I've got one at home. And uh, just, just a lovely, tiny little story, and she wrote to the paper and said, I don't know who she was, please can you thank her in the paper. The phrase that the, the lady, who, as she thanked her profusely, this stranger said to her, we must all look after the most vulnerable. And I just, I just thought, that's the attitude of heart. I don't know if that lady was a believer following Jesus or not, but I love that attitude and that is one that we need to have. There are going to be loads of opportunities like that over the coming weeks. We need to be open and ready for them. 
be aware of our neighbours, our connections, especially if people are self-isolating. Find out what they need, do our best to help them if we can. If you don't know, if you're unsure that you can help, let me know or let someone else in the church know. We can be part of the, the answer together. I also want to say, within the community of the church here, let's not be ashamed or afraid to ask, okay? Let, you say, oh, I won't ask because they're busy with other things. No, let's ask one another, all right? And let's be willing to receive that. Fourthly, as we come to some prayer, I just want to say this. I want to encourage you to live each day to the full. Live each day to the full. None of us knows what the future holds. Just take the coronavirus and put it over there for a moment. We don't know. We don't know the day and the hour. As I mentioned my mum earlier on, she was 45. She had an underlying heart condition that she wasn't aware of. And she went to be with the Lord. It was very sudden. So we don't know the day and the hour. In the sermon, famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus challenges his followers not to live lives that are dominated by worry and fear. He challenges them head on. He uses those words. Don't let your lives be dominated by worry and fear, he says. But rather, live each day to the full. Live today in the light of the future that you have, the truth that you have. And I want to say to you today, if you're not sure, if you're not sure that you have that salvation, if you're not sure that you've got that hope, talk to somebody that can help you to think that through and lead you to know that assurance and that peace. Every time we're tempted to give in to fear, we need to make a conscious choice to remind ourselves who God is and who we are in him. And we need to respond in trust and faith, both in our attitude and reaction and in our love and compassion towards others. Amen? I want to do now is to take uh, ten minutes as we come to a close. I'd like to lead us in some prayer. I, uh, earlier on in the week, I've been mentioning a number of times there's this app that you can get. It's called Lexico365, written by Pete Gregg from the 24-7 prayer, prayer guy. Um, but on Tuesday, he just wrote some prayers and some reflections on all that's going on. I found them so helpful. And I thought it would be good to lead us as a church, but also to pray for different ones of us in the church uh, and those who are not even able to be here today. So there are going to be some things on the screen. I'd love you to take part, participate. Don't just spectate. Let's just, on on the basis of this truth that we've heard, as I lead you, can I invite you to to take part of this as well. And particularly if there are people here that we're going to pray for, like Uman and Marguerite and others, just reach a hand to them as we pray, as I lead us. I want to start with the faith-filled words of Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for the words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which remind us that he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue 
to deliver us. Right now, we want to remember and pray for those who are currently living in the worst hotspots, especially mindful today of those in Italy, right now. Father, we speak your grace and your healing and your mercy to that nation right now, to Spain. We speak the grace of God. We speak the healing and the mercy of God. There are other places that come to mind. As things come to mind as we pray right now, just bring them to the Lord, whisper them in your heart, or whisper them out loud as you feel led. I just feel at the moment I'm praying for Africa, because it hasn't hit Africa very strongly yet. I want to pray for that vast nation, continent of Africa. I just want to simply pray, Lord, have mercy. We want to think of and pray for those who are currently in isolation this morning. Particularly, just want to pray for Emily Knight. I want to pray for her, Lord. Just lift her to you. Pray for your grace, your swift healing. Pray for John and the children. Father, we, we pray for Donna today. Lord, we lift her to you. Father, we pray that your peace would be with her, particularly as she thinks about all her friends and and really family, wider family there in Burundi, lift her to you. Pray for those who've chosen to be at home this morning. Those who are even maybe listening to this right now. We pray, let your peace come. Let your grace be so present and evident in their homes and in their lives. Again, just invite you to quietly speak the names of those you know are just wisely staying at home, unsure, We lift them to you, Father. Just pray. Father, we lift Kathleen to you, Father. Father, we pray, Lord. And Mary, Lord. Sue DDB, Lord. Father, we lift them. Father, others, lift them to you. Bless them. Come to them. Meet them. Lord, pray for presence in isolation. Lord, your presence, your peace in turmoil, and your patience in waiting. God of all comfort and strength, we want to pray for all those who are grieving, especially those who are reeling from the sudden loss of loved ones. We continue, Lord, to be mindful of the the Stevens family. Lord, we just want to pray for them, particularly, Lord, as they walk up to the thanksgiving for Dad and Grandpa. Lord, we, we just pray for them, bless them, Lord, I pray that in the midst of those tears, they would so celebrate that faith and hope that that John had and, and, and they have as a family. Lord God, we pray for those who are vulnerable. We pray for those who are frightened. Lord, I want to pray right now as we lift to you different ones who are frail, who have pre existing conditions. Lift you names. There are names that come to my mind Fion, Lorelei. Lord, thank you for dear Mark being here today. Lift him to you. Guard him around, Lord. Others, Lord, we just lift names to you right now. Lift them, Lord. We lift them, Lord. We, we thank you that you hear our prayer. 
Thank you, Lord, this is real. You meet with us. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for all the medical professionals who are daily dealing with the intense pressure of this crisis. And right now, we particularly want to lift those here in this church. Father, we want to lift Tina to you, Margarita, Umin, Father Elizabeth, Father others. We lift them to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for their faith. We thank you that they love you. We thank you for their determination not to get into fear. Father, I pray, Lord, as they answer phone call after phone call after phone call, Lord, give them grace. Give them wisdom. I pray for them as they meet with the wider GP groups on the island, as they think about connections with Southampton and Portsmouth. Father, we want to pray for Mick as he's going backwards and forwards to Southampton Hospital, keeping the hospital going. Father, we pray, keep him from infection. We pray you'd bless him, strengthen him, give him wisdom, Lord, in his travel over these next days. Father, we we say, protect their families, guard their marriages. Father, we thank you that you're a God who's interested in the detail of our lives. Lord, we thank you for them. We lift them to you. We say grace upon grace, Lord God. We pray strengthen their faith, Lord, as they, as they have opportunity to, to be at peace, to even to, as it were, confer peace by the peace of God that rests within them. May they be peace givers also. We pray for resilience in weariness. Discernment in diagnosis and compassion upon compassion as they care. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the army of researchers that are working steadily and quietly behind the scenes towards a cure. We pray today for clarity, Lord, for that great word, serendipity, Lord, discovery and unexpected breakthroughs today, we pray. Lord, we recognise it's also a very challenging time for many leaders and administrators in all sorts of sectors of society, social care, education and business. People making big decisions as they affect many people and have large financial implications. Again, there are those among us who come to mind. I want to pray for all those who own a business in our church. Father, I pray may they hold into you. For those who have financial concerns about these next few months, may they hold into you. May they know your provision. Lord Kay comes to my mind at Barnardo's and all that she's doing and the implications as they're reaching out and connecting to families. Particularly this morning, we want to pray for Pat, Lord's, all that she's carrying in regards to fusion, all the regions beyond activities right around the world. Father, I just want to lift Pat to you. I know she's been under incredible uh, strain and, and pressure this week. Just lift her to you right now. For others, Lord, the UK, regions beyond team, for Steve Oliver, for, for others, Lord, who are making massive decisions that have 
on the surface, financial implications. And yet, Lord, we declare you are in control. You are working your purposes out. We may be disappointed in certain things, but we know you're at work and we trust you. I lift Pat to you today. Strengthen her, Lord. Meet with her. Pray for the Hannahs at the food bank team, Lord. I pray for them for wisdom, discernment, Lord, creativity. Lord, we ask you for provision, ongoing provision for food bank. Lord, as people turn in on themselves, may they not forget those who are far worse than they are. Lord God, there may be others that come to your mind who are in that area of administration and provision. Just lift them before the Lord. God of all wisdom and insight, we want to pray today for the World Health Organization. We want to pray for our Prime Minister and our government, for the heads of science and medicine and nursing, for the heads of schools, of hospitals and other institutions. Father, we believe you have positioned these people in public service for this hour. Even those who were appointed only weeks ago had no idea that they would be running the roles that they are running today, but you knew. We believe that. So we ask that you would grant them wisdom beyond their own wisdom. Grant them wisdom as to how to contain and control, how to, how to bless and to heal. Faith beyond their own faith. Faith to fight fear. Strength beyond their own strength to support the institutions and people in their care in this time of turmoil. Heavenly Father, have mercy. Pour out your grace, we pray. May El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, who loves us, who protects us, may Jesus Christ, his Son, who died for us, save us. And may the Holy Spirit, who always broods over the chaos from Genesis 1 onwards, fill us with his presence. May he intercede for us and in us for others at this time. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Lord will rescue us from every evil attack, will bring us safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. And then there's just a wonderful closing prayer that um, gets used every day in this particular app that I've been using to shape what we're saying. Heavenly Father, help us to live this and every day to the full. Being true to you in every way. Lord Jesus, help us to give ourselves away to others. Being kind to everyone we meet. Holy Spirit, help us to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all we do and say. Because we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please continue to pray. Please continue to be a blessing to one another and to those around you.
keep in touch. Uh, we will communicate. If you want to ask any question at any point, don't hesitate to ask. We will try to keep information flowing. As far as I know at the moment, we will come together in some form next Sunday. It is Mothering Sunday uh, next Sunday, so we'll reflect on that. Be mindful of that. But if things do change, we'll let you know about that. So those of you who've just been reminded you need to go and do a Mother's Day card, make a note. (laughs) Okay, be blessed. There is refreshments next door. If you'd like them, you're very welcome.